Hey everyone, this is Julian, and you are listening to the Clear Cash Podcast. We're now on Twitter, baby! And as always, joined with me, Nick. Hey. How you doing, Nick? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, you know, I have a little bit of a hangover uh, mentally from E3. Physically, Mm -hmm. I feel fine, but... Mm -hmm. I got kind of burnt out with all the stuff that went down. It's a lot to digest, lots to talk about. And we talked at length about everything. Mm-hmm. And I must say that while I, I was on a high, I was riding really high, like yeah, peaking. You were in the clouds. I was way up there. You were, you were peaking, you were rolling. <laughs> yes. I was on, uh, I was thizzing. Do people still say th- thizzing? Yeah, I've never bay. heard that. You've never heard that? No. You, Do you think people say that in the Bay? The Thiz dance. That's a Bay thing, isn't it? Thiz? Thiz. T-H-I-Z-Z. Have thiz? you never heard of that? I've never heard that. Dude, the Thiz movement. That's the whole, That was like the ecstasy movement in the like early 2000s in the Bay Area. Thizzle? Thizzle dance, yeah. Like Mac Dre. Oh, yeah. The Thizzle dance. <laughs> it's, it's a dance you do when you're just like blitzed on ecstasy. That's funny. No, I never heard this. Really? Man, yeah. I could I swore we even talked about it before i remember i was at my friend's house and this chick that we were hanging out with had just gone to the bay for uh like four days and uh, we were, i was living in southern california at the time and she was talking about hanging out with her friends in the bay area and she said oh yeah and uh, they call everybody fish up there he was calling everybody fish and I was like, nobody says that. <laughs> nobody says that up there. <laughs> what does she that said, no, even he's mean? He's definitely calling everybody that. And I was like, no, he's probably from prison where, where you call new people fish. But nobody says that colloquially <laughs> in the Bay Area. <laughs> well, you got Fisherman's Wharf. Maybe they were just there and heard people talking about fish. It could be. Yeah, they're probably literally talking about <laughs> It's the only thing I can come fish. up with that would explain that situation. <laughs> we have a while until the rest of the year starts going games release wise because usually we have e3 week and they announce everything and a bunch of stuff that's going to come out that that year and then all that stuff is like in a three-month period pretty much september till uh december is when we get all the big game releases of of the year it's always in q4 for the holidays Mm -hmm. and um from now until then there's not much going on and we got mario tennis which comes out this week and um, really this week yeah it comes out friday uh, when you played a little bit of that, right? Yeah. And it's tight. It's good, right? Yeah. Did it, did, do you remember playing like the original Mario sports games, like, uh, original Mario tennis and Mario golf and stuff like that? Did it, did it remind you of mm-hmm. anything like, uh, like in, in that same vein? Uh, like a little bit, but it's, it's significantly more complicated yeah. than those games, which I appreciate for sure. For sure. I, I, I think that, uh, some of the stuff I've read so far, like early reviews have been really pointing how complicated it is and, and how frustrating it can actually end up being, you know, with the advent of being KO'd with your racket broken is kind of like a controller breaking moment, you know, if you could break a mm-hmm. switch controller. Right. I guess if you have a pro controller, you can smash that thing pretty good, but you wouldn't want to smash your switch altogether. No way, dude. You break the whole damn thing. You know what I want to do sometimes? And I haven't actually gotten angry at a Switch game yet, mm-hmm. but I want to grab 
switches on both sides or the, the joy cons on both sides of the switch and just twist in opposite directions. <laughs> Watch that baby splinter. It has some give to it already. And it does. That's why I know it would bust. Yeah, it would. And you know, wasn't there an issue with people warping their, their switches from holding it in handheld mode and holding it too tightly? <laughs> wasn't that a I don't thing? Know. I don't, I don't, I haven't heard about that. I, um, how are they warp, warping? Like literally like the plastic it, it, near the ends of it was yeah. warping as, as you held the, the switch. Like and they I, were clutching it? Yeah. Like desperately what? clutching. Maybe they were skydiving and playing, or maybe they were running down a mountain and were playing Mario Kart, something like that. Gotta take a breath. Yeah. You gotta take a breath every now and then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Okay. So speaking of switch games is killer queen black coming to this switch it is right yeah it's got to be and that's the only system i know that it's coming from coming to that's right okay because it's it, they haven't I, I i believe that they sh- will bring it to xbox and ps4 i don't right like why wouldn't probably. they probably yeah that would make a lot more sense um so you actually mentioned this game to me before e3 started i think it was when the leaks were shown uh mm-hmm. or, or you know when they first appeared we saw these early leaks of lineups and one of the things that was on there was Killer Queen Black and I had no idea what it was so I just glazed over it visually. It didn't resonate with me and then you actually were like, whoa, dude, this is fucking sick. Killer Queen Black, this game is tight. I had never heard of it. I believe it's tight. I've never actually found an arcade unit because they're super rare. Right. So is it it a Western-made game or did it come from... To my knowledge, yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, they're like bespoke arcade units. Right. Um, that suit between eight and 10 players. I can't remember which number. It's definitely 10 as a max. Okay. And uh, they're huge and uh, they're very expensive. Yeah. And that, the they, game sounds cool. It, it does. It sounds really cool. And to me, it, everything about it, when you read about it and see it in action, is just like, to me, it screamed from Japan. Um, because mm-hmm. the arcades that they have in Japan are astounding. They're like technical wonders and they're full of these cabinets and, and games that will never come to America and right. are like, they're kind of, when I was there, I was there in 2009. So now a lot of that stuff's outdated, but I was blown away by what they were doing in arcades. And one thing that I walked away from there, um, having played a ton of, was a card game uh, that was, you know, remember that game Eye of Judgment on PS4? It was like an early yeah. PS4 game that used the, the PS- PSI. Yeah, used the PS camera to read cards and then you would see them appear on the screen. You would place them on the ground, the camera would read it, and you would do battle, like similar to Yu Gi Oh! or something like that. Yeah. They, they had a game like that in Japan. I have no idea what it was called, but they it, it was a perfect setup because. They had this machine right next to the arcade cabinet where you could uh, buy packs of cards mm. and then you could immediately take those cards and play them in the game. Right. And I must have spent like at least uh, 10 or 11 hours in one arcade playing that game because it was so fun. Damn. And they, I, they, it, it made me a sucker too because I spent some money on it. But it was fun. <laughs> and, and when I first heard about this game, Killer Queen Black, I was like, how is this not from Japan? But I guess it's a Western game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I just looked it up too. The units actually cost thirteen thousand dollars. So it's a big investment for the arcade then to want to get this in their in their 
arcade. Yeah, totally. So this is this is exciting because uh, I I've never really expected to encounter it unless I went to like I don't know the Cards Against Humanity office or something. Right. Of course they fucking have. Do they have that? Probably. They fucking probably do. Um, but Killer Queen Black is this game where there's there's two teams. You have a gold team and a blue team, and mm-hmm. the this the gameplay reminds me a lot of something like Towerfall. Um, where you have two sides and Towerfall is kind of like a, a more chaotic four player battle game. Um, but in this game, the goal is to collect these beads from your opponent's side, bring them over. Um, and that's only one of the ways to win, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can do, I think, what is that? Like the diplomatic or not diplomatic, but it's the, there's three ways to win. You can either kill the opposing team's queen, uh, you collect all the beads necessary from your opponent or there's a third way to win. I can't remember what it is. Um, yeah, I couldn't say, but anyway, you have these three different ways to win the game and, uh, being able to play with that many people is, is pretty sick. I wonder how it's going to work in terms of like matchmaking, you know, Mm -hmm. and and voice chat because the switch, what we learned actually was that it does have native voice chat. Um, it, right. it works with Fortnite. Um, oh, does it really? Yeah, it does. I mean, you could plug just any microphone into your switch jack, uh, the headphone jack, and as voice chat, which is <laughs> wow, crazy. Okay. Um, because no one knew you could do that before. And then when Fortnite came out, no one said anything about it. There was no announcement. People just yeah. plugged their mics in and just worked. I think that uh, uh, software like hackers basically for the switch were the ones who discovered that it had native support oh, uh, okay. prior to the splatoon 2 f- dongle debacle mm, which one i'm right. call that now um splatoon dongle the, the splatoon dongle debacle <laughs> um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't natively supported in the game even though the support exists so mm-hmm. that's interesting they just turned it on yeah yeah and uh, so I, I assume that if you're playing this game online, you're going to want to be able to strategize with your team. Mm-hmm. And having 10 people alone talking is is a lot. But uh, yeah. having playing this on Switch, uh, not everyone is going to even realize that they can use the, the native chat. And, and this might not even have it. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Because when you play this in an arcade, you're playing with, 10 other or nine other people around you. Right. Um, so it is like, as you said, it's like a massive cabinet in order to accommodate yeah. that many people. Um, but it, at its core, it's like pretty simple gameplay, but what makes it so fun is you have the three different ways to win and uh, being able to play with that many other people. Um, it's going to be also interesting to see how that translates from being an in-person experience to something you play online with other people. I'm a big fan of, of team may, team play. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, and then there's also one hook to this, which is really interesting and and uh, and pretty cool. Um, so there's always what where the name comes from, Killer Queen Black, is you have your gold and your blue teams, but there's always a black team, hmm. and that black team uh, will be constantly changing. But the devs uh, for this game plan on keeping a live stream open that is just doesn't stop of of the black team's matches oh so you'll be able to go and watch this live stream and watch the black team defend or 
get its title taken away and then a new team becomes the black team. Um, hmm. And so, and then I don't know how that works for longevity. Like, I mean, the black team is, won't be able to consistently play, right? Like the members of that right. team. So when they have the, that taken from them um, or, or when they cease playing, does it, does it transfer? I, I don't, I'm not sure how it's going to work. We don't, I don't think we know that yet. Hmm. That sounds cool. That's a, that's a compelling idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if anything exists that is similar to that right now, but it's, it's a, it's a cool concept. Yeah. I'm super excited about this game. Looks cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I want to tell you a, a funny story. So, well, I don't know how funny it is actually, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. So, uh, I got our clear cash pod Twitter running today. Right. And, uh, I started following a bunch of people and, and someone posted, um, and I, and then I think, I think it was Kotaku cause then I saw it on Kotaku later that day mm -hmm. and they posted about this website called lonelystreams.com. Have you heard okay. of that? No, it is a, uh, I don't know who made it, but it is an aggregate for Twitch streams that have zero views. Oh, so you can go on there and it has like a, a randomized list that you can cycle through of streams that are live on Twitch that have zero, zero viewers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I assume that the intent is to bring audience to those that are trying to have one and not getting one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I spent probably a little bit too long browsing through the zero view streams. Okay. And, uh, a lot of it was not great. You know, people <laughs> just kind of sitting in front of the camera and obviously they don't have any views. They're not talking to anyone. But there right. were some that were talking, but their mics didn't work or were too low, and there were other issues. Um, but I did find a diamond in the rough, and it's this Russian guy who plays casino games. And I watched his stream for like an hour and a half. I have well, no idea what he's saying because he's Russian. How long ago was this? How long ago was what? Did you watch this Russian guy playing casino games? Uh, probably like an hour or not an hour ago, probably like three or four hours ago. Really? I yeah. heard someone else talking about this. Really? Yeah. A Russian guy playing casino games. Yeah. It just was this Russian guy sitting in his apartment drinking Pepsi and whiskey and playing casino games. And I have no idea what he was saying because I don't speak Russian, but he has a really nice voice to listen to you know kind of like an asmr -y voice he kind of whisper yeah. talks and yeah and then he just plays these fucking casino games and at first i didn't think he was actually spending any money playing the games right but then i i i looked and you know it's russia so it's in uh, rubles and i noticed that he was like betting like hundreds of thousands of rubles I was like, oh, well, I wonder, like, how much is that in, in U.S. dollars? And at one point, I tracked how much he had in his, like, casino bank or, uh -huh. you know, those uh, allotted funds to use in the casino. And he had, like, $12,000 at one point. And then, and then I just watched him play this slot game. that And casino slot games online are fucking bonkers, dude. They're just, like, nothing. They're, like, the shittiest-looking mobile games. And... This guy just drained 12,000 US dollars on... No. Yeah, dude. It was insane. What, what? Was he bummed? Yeah, after that, he got up and I didn't. he didn't come back, so I just turned the stream off. Oh, no. 
<laughs> oh man um that's that's interesting there's a uh that reminds me first of all uh there are a couple of websites that collect and they don't collect but they switch through youtube videos that have under 100 views oh, okay and they set so the more popular among them from back when uh wouldn't show any information about the video it would just start the video there'd be no link to it there'd be no title or anything right just play through the video and then when it was done it would just switch to some other video randomly and um there's like a subculture of people who are fascinated by these videos because they're weird like microcosms of people's lives usually they're not in yeah like like, home videos or yeah maybe like dolores like copy this video and shared it for like her uncle Sam or something mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's how fucking wrecked my brain is that like, both the names that I made up are pop fiction characters yeah. uh, anyway fucking then there's this movie called um, um, We Live in Public mm-hmm. it's a documentary by I believe it's by Penelope Spheris who's the documentarian it's not, it's not Penelope Spheres. Anyway, it's, a uh, it's about this guy who basically invented, um, the, or he didn't invent, but he conceived of the internet as we see it now, but he conceived of it in like 96 and, um, started, you started like YouTube alike websites and websites that broadcast live video back when like nobody was doing that kind of shit. And his biggest, he got really involved in like experimenting with the notion of people giving up privacy for the sake of publicity or pop or uh, fame and uh, his biggest project was this warehouse party that lasted for 30 days in new york and you you entered the warehouse and uh you relinquished your rights to your image when you entered and once you left you couldn't come back but you could stay until it was over basically wow so it's like uh, a huge social experiment yeah, totally. And you were being filmed 24-7 and, and uh, you might have been live web streamed at the same time as well. I, I can't remember that detail. Do they, it was, and I assume that they like feed you, right? Yeah, they fed you. They give you places to sleep, but your, your beds are being filmed and stuff like the bathrooms are being filmed. And uh, the way that people's behavior changes when they know that they're being filmed, even if they don't know if anyone's going to watch it, is really like marked. Right. And kind of interesting to conceive of all of these people nobody's watching them but their behavior has changed under the pretense that somebody might i've experienced that you know oh, yeah done. for sure i mean oh i can tell you just since i've been doing like the youtube stuff and and uh, we've dabbled a bit with streaming you know mm-hmm. um me and jake have streamed on the on, on the youtube channel uh, various things like commentating live over press conferences. We did it for Nintendo. We did it for some of the E3 stuff and seeing <clears throat> people come on and, and start watching. There is something that just clicks in your head that it's, it's almost primal in a way where it, at least for me, where it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're suddenly have eyes on you, you mm-hmm. know, like you're, you're in the jungle and, you just like through the through the trees, you two glowing eyes of death, and it's yeah. hard to get used to, man. And I, I certainly have moments where I've like felt like I had to freeze up or something, right? And I guess that you get over that the more you do it. 
uh, hopefully. Yeah, there's a lot that you, there's a lot of coverage of. I don't know if there's any insight into it necessarily, but of people's uh, personalities, their perception of their lived experiences changing from being twenty four seven streamers. Yeah, and it sounds taxing. In some cases, very exhausting. Oh, it sounds awful. Yeah, in all cases, it sounds unusual. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just interesting to think of these people out there sending out a stream and changing in that way, although there's no material effect from it. Like, nobody's actually looking at them. Mm-hmm. But they're behaving like they're being seen. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the, the what we have now with, like, IRL streams on Twitch, you know, it's mm-hmm. a super, super popular. Yeah. And... I mean, I think part of that is an extension from what we had with the like MTV reality live shows, which are actually in reality all scripted, but mm-hmm. we have this like extension of it now where, where everyone just is filming their IRL content and a lot of their quote unquote IRL content is scripted in a way. So yeah. it's like just a continuation. Well, that sounds like a weird experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I I subscribed to or I subscribed, but I started following the guy on on Twitch because I'll I'll check in every now and then and see how he's doing. I don't yeah. know if I want to donate just in case he has a problem, but I like his I like his Twitter. I mean, his Twitch, his streams, they're good. <laughs> so the do, the documentarian, her name is Andy Timoner or Timoner. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she's the one who made a documentary about the Dandy Warhols called Dig which was oh, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard of, we live in public and I've always been interested in, I've seen the movie that. like seven times. It's so fucking interesting. And the guy is like, he was, he was on one dude. Everyone should check this movie out. It's super weird. <laughs> okay. And he's a bad guy. Also oh, really? He's like an asshole. Uh-huh. He's not like, a, you know, he's not like a terrible person. Was but. he, was he purposely like fucking with people during the, Absolutely. Experiment. Yeah. He started, he started having like a power trip from like being in control of these people's perceptions of their own reality. And then like started filming himself all the time, streaming himself all the time. And that caused real problems. Just the way I, I'm really interested in the way that like people's perception of how others perceive them affects their own perception of themselves. That kind of thing's really interesting. And this, this guy was on that uh, subject like you know a decade before anybody had even conceived of it being possible pretty cool yeah for sure uh so I, I there's another thing i wanted to to talk to you about and something i started thinking about today because um i saw also on twitter that some bethesda fallout fans started like putting together a, a map of what they think that fallout oh, 76 I saw a picture of that yeah, I mean, I, it, I have no idea if that's accurate in any way. The, they tend to, th- they seem to think it's accurate, and they have, mm-hmm. like, sources that back up some of it being accurate, but I believe that most of it is not as accurate as they think. But I, it, it actually got me thinking about West Virginia as a setting in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in previous Fallout games, they've explored, like, topics like communism and our relation with countries that are communist in, in origin. You know, the Fallout 3, uh, Fallout 3 had a DLC in which um, 
you fought Chinese soldiers who had very clear like communist imagery on their uniforms and stuff mm-hmm. without explicitly saying it, I think, because I don't remember them ever going into full like Red Scare shit. But I believe, you know, it was it was heavily hinted that that's what the situation was. It's, mm-hmm. It was just like an alternate version of our Cold War history and and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, in, in West Virginia, the history of that area is is, is steeped in, in civil war issue. Right. OK. And I was thinking that if. If they're going to have a game that's set in West Virginia, how will they address that? Or if they'll even address it at all? Because you know, in Fallout games, it's in America, clearly, and it draws from American history. Each game does uh, a skewed American history, an alternate history in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to figure out a way that they could they could implement something into the game's story that would be related to the civil war similar to like in fallout four, they had a lot of the, um, like the freedom trail and the underground railroad stuff in the game. Like one of the Mm -hmm. factions you can join in fallout four is called the railroad. And it's, it's very influenced by the underground railroad. Um, but instead of slavery, it's the synths or whatever. So yeah, I think instead of slavery, it's X or whatever is one of the easiest critiques of sci-fi. Yeah. They always, uh, it's too, it's, yeah, it's, it's very on the nose. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, so we know in Fallout 76 that the, the main enemy faction in the game that are humanoid are these half feral, half, uh, still conscious, uh, entities called, uh, scorched, I think. And they're like, uh, the ghoul, they're ghouls mm-hmm. and the ghouls themselves in the Fallout games have been treated very very poorly throughout the history of this series of, of the games you know um right. to the point where they've been enslaved uh they have all of these um disparaging names for them in the games uh it's a whole can of worms to to even think about and so i'm at the point now where i'm trying to think how is bethesda going to incorporate the history of west virginia and skew it in a way that doesn't do a disservice to where to, you know, to like the, the original history of the state and, and make a cohesive story. I mean, do you think that's possible or do you think they'll avoid it altogether? Oh God, if they avoid it altogether, that's the most chicken shit thing they could possibly do. Yeah. Um, it's impossible there. I mean, there are some things that the games community tends to have knee-jerk reactions to, the suggestion that something has been politicized incorrectly and that knee-jerk reaction is usually not everything is political. And the fact of the matter is that that's false and some things are explicitly political. Um, Far Cry 5 was the most recent example of that um, in which they depicted initially like a white cult religious cult in like a backcountry part of the of america fearing like western civilization collapsing around them and that's a political image especially in the wake of the um 
uh, the occupation in uh, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people wanted to say, like, go easy on the story. Like, you're overthinking it. Not everything is political. And in a situation like this, where you have a story taking place in West Virginia, the year happens to coincide with 1776. Mm-hmm. And it's very evocative of Civil War imagery, um, simply due to the nature of its of its existence. Like it, it's inextricable from politics. So for them to decide not to ad- address that issue, that would be a huge mistake. How they do it correctly, uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to be frank about it. They're gonna have to like draw a line and um, they should definitely not use al- like metaphor in describing it. I feel like you were mentioning that the uh, scorched or the, um, what, what, what is the other term for them? Ghouls. The ghouls, yeah. That they're enslaved and they're seen as subhuman. Well, gosh, that sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the way that the ghouls have been portrayed in like New Vegas and Fallout 3, it, it's, it's very reminiscent to the way that we, that slavery existed in America the way that we treated black people. Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact of the matter is that sci-fi wants to tell stories about black experience or the ways in which um, humans are cruel to other humans or see other types of people as sub- subhuman and exploit them through rationalization around that concept. Um, and they're setting a story in a place in which that explicitly happened. So they should address it head on rather than trying to draw like some metaphorical comparison that is otherwise like toothless because ghouls don't exist. But you know who does exist? White people and black people. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't know. I, we'll we'll see how they deal with it. Um, yeah, I mean, we live in a time, as Fallout 5, I mean, not Fallout 5, uh, Far Cry 5 is a great example of a developer that became frightened of their own political uh, opinion or agenda that they were pushing in the early marketing for for Far Cry. I mean, with a, you're right. Uh, the first stuff that we saw was clearly a white supremacist cult. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That was what they were pushing. Is that what you were... That, those are the people you're going to be killing in this in this game. Yeah. And it turned out that they flipped that. I don't... You know, we, we talked about this before already, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, games... It's Games are a very sensitive market in the sense that players typically don't want them to be told something that they don't align with already. They're not interested in being challenged. Um, and studios are very sensitive to pushback because uh, players have a lot more voice in this industry than they do in viewers of movies or readers of books because uh the marketplaces in which those games oh readers of books i can't really say that necessarily but what i'm getting at is the marketplaces in which those games are sold are largely governed by uh, the review scores 
and uh, people will fucking bomb your game if they think that you've got a message that they don't agree with. Like I was just, I spent some time when Battletech came out, Battletech being a PC game, a lot like XCOM, uh, reading Steam reviews. And I found over 30 that gave it a negative review because you could give your your player character the they, them, non-binary gender, which has zero effect on gameplay, zero effect on story. It's just something that these people were grossed out by. Mm-hmm. So they downloaded the whole game as a response. Fucking a, man. And that's not unusual. No, it's know. clear. Oh, yeah. In the gaming community, it's expected. It's just sad. Yeah. It's terribly sad. And I would love for developers to t- approach it head on. And so in E3, we saw uh, Machine Head Games saying straight up, like, you're fucking killing Nazis. We're what we want you to fucking kill Nazis. Yep. And they very much embraced public opinion around killing Nazis, which is very much that it's good. Um, there are obviously large segments of the gaming community who disagree with that sentiment, but um, they took a stand and I'm not going to like fully like pat them on the back as being altruistic because there is a uh, capitalistic motivation in taking that stand. It's beneficial. Um, but the fact of the matter is that it's a divisive stand and it's one that is bold in the gaming community. It sucks that that's true, but it's bold to say, I want you to kill Nazis mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this climate. And for, I would love to see Bethesda say something. You're going to kill white slave owners. You're going to kill white slave owners. Yeah, exactly. I, Thinking on, on fallout four and how they, how they, took the underground railroad and made it this story about robots it's just now that i think back on it it's so fucking wonky and weird i don't want to go back and play it but i'm kind of interested in in, because i what i found in fallout 4 is that the story is so weak throughout that whole game in almost every aspect i mean you just don't give a shit about any of the factions they all are annoying right um but thinking of it in that way now i'm you know, the imagery too that they use, I mean, they, they map out Boston pretty, pretty clearly and they use real historical events as they will be doing in, uh, Fallout 76. That stuff has history. Yeah. And we're going to be in there. We're going to be the Fallout 76 boys, aren't we? Hell yeah, dude. 